Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warlord Games official podcast. My name is Brad, and I am the host of the Warlord cast, so to speak. The podcast that explores some of the awesome, fantastic, and fun games that Warlord Games puts out for us to play. Now, we have not one, but two spectacular guests on this episode. Two gentlemen who have been here before. They have braved the airwaves on the Warlord cast, and they are back for a second, or in one case, third helping, um, to talk about one of Warlord's most anticipated games this year. Now, I think we need to bring in, uh, before we get to the big man in the helmet, uh, and that would be the 2000 AD character that everyone seems to be talking about, why don't we bring in our guests? Our first, uh, of course, was on when we talked about the Western Desert. He was the author of that book. Uh, he was also the author of The Road to Berlin and The Doctor Who game. He worked quite a lot on the cards and some of the other gaming materials for that game. Of course, I am talking about Roger Garish. Roger, welcome back to the Warlord cast. Good morning, Brad. Good to be here. Oh, it is a pleasure, my man. A pleasure. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Uh, looking at a, a blue sky, the first blue sky I've seen for uh, several weeks in the UK, so uh, it's quite nice. This is a very un, uh, undread-like weather, I have to say, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, because first I have to introduce our other guest, a man who I'm sure hates these introductions more than any other guest on this show, who, a man who I love to pump up. Uh, just from the Warlord perspective, he has a huge wargaming pedigree as far as writing and developing of games. But of course, we're talking about a man who is behind um, Blood Red Skies. We're talking about uh, the author of several bolt action books, as well as Strontium Dog. Of course, I am talking Andy Chambers. Welcome back. Hello there, Brad. Pleasure to be back. I tried to dial it down. Is that, is that better, Andy? That's very calm. That was suitable for a Monday morning. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Elevating my ego into the stratosphere, ready for a grinding week ahead. There you go. There you, well, you got to start big, right? <laughs> go big or go home. That's yes. right. That's right. Now, Andy, when we, when you were on last, we talked Strontium Dog and 2000 AD. And for those who didn't hear that interview, if you go back through the Warlord Game uh, official podcast back catalog, you can find it. Um, but you are, we talked at length about your love of 2000 AD uh, growing up and up through now. Can you just uh, touch on that again so folks who may have missed that can sort of get a little taste of your pedigree as far as um, your understanding of the universe? Where, where it's all coming from. Yes, um, sir. Yeah. Not everyone knows about 2008. That's cool. It's, it's fundamentally a UK comic. It exists to this day, and it is a fantastical thing, mm. which is a weekly, a weekly comic yeah. uh, which contains multiple science fiction and fantasy strips. And it's been going since I was a kid. I literally remember like standing in the schoolyard reading 2000 AD, going like, wow. Uh, and it, it, it's been such a, an inspiration, uh, an incredible inspiration to not just me, but most of the people that I work with in the UK down the years, that it's a common st touchstone for us all. And mm. to this day, I still have a subscription to 2000 AD and, and genuinely enjoy the, the fresh flow of ideas that comes mm. through it. Through all of that, there have been a number of like major, major strips for 2008 that they've come back to again and again, mm -hmm. uh, of which Strontium Dog is definitely one of them, which was also a fantastically characterful strip, which I loved a great deal. But the big daddy of them all oh, really yeah. has always been Judge Dredd and uh, right. the Dreadverse, as it were. Uh, so big for 2008 that they actually run a whole extra monthly comic, um, the Judge Dredd magazine which is just stories from the Judge Dredd universe, uh, which kind of shows you how dominant it's become over the years. So, mm, yes, Dredd. And it has the big been, daddy. I mean, it, it, it really is. It's sort of the title that has transcended um, the pages of comic books into all sorts of other venues. I, I mean, there's a million offshoots where Dredd meets comic characters from other universes, be it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles recently, back to Batman, back to, I'm sure, a million other crossovers. But, I mean, yeah, of, yeah. of course, there's been uh, the movies. Yes, two movies, not one, but two movies, for crying out loud. Video games, uh, role-playing right. games, many, many things that come from Judge Dredd because it is, 
a fecund world. And that's not a rude word. You can go and look it up. <laughs> it right. means it's it, it it produces a lot of things. That's right. And it's not. This is not the first miniature game that we've seen for Dread. Although I I have to say, and I am I know I'm a little biased. My God, these are the best models for a tabletop Dread game I've ever seen. <laughs> you'd hope you'd win something over this. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I first worked at Games Workshop in mail order in the late '80s. Uh, they actually had the Judge Dredd license at that time when we were producing Judge Dredd miniatures. So, yeah, they got some pedigree on them. Those guys are tiny by comparison. Yes. These guys, the figures. Uh, yes. Uh, now, Roger, you also um, are a 2000 AD lover. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I sort of came to, well, <laughs> it's my age, actually. I came to it a bit late. So I was started reading it back in about 90, in the early 80s, mm. and by which time I was like a grown up. So uh, it was always sort of looked down a bit. Why are you reading comics? Well, it's just that I always loved um, science fiction, hard science fiction. And um, this comic, you know, just had everything. Um, not just Judge Dredd, as Andy has said, many other strips really uh Great writing, humorous, serious. Mm -hmm. But when it came back to it, it was always Judge Dredd. That was the one that you always were looking for. You know, it was the flagship uh, strip. What is, uh, what's going to happen to Dredd this week? What other terrible thing is going to be right. Mega City 1 this week? Um, <laughs> what fresh disaster awaits? Oh, my word. Yes. Exactly. exactly. And it's, uh, so, so it's something that, uh, you know, through the past, you know, 30 odd or more years, um, I, I've consistently uh, continued to get. My wife, you know, looks in sort of, you know, horror. You have to get in another blooming comic again. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's this one. It's, 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 it's dreaded, dreaded, dreaded big. I mean, the movies has been said. Um, and, and it's had so many influences on so many other things as well. It's, mm -hmm. it, 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 it it's the biggie. And so getting involved in this, you know, at, at a later stage from a sort of creative point of view was brilliant. And it was just uh, like a dream come true. You know, God, it's Judge Dredd. Right. <laughs> now, Andy, I think you probably were the, the, the sort of the, the first name on this project. And I think Roger came in later, if I understand the process correctly. Um, if when you went from Strong Team Dog and you made the hard turn into the Dreadverse. Um, where, where did you start? Because you had so much to pull from. Um, it was actually the other way around, bro. Oh. We, when we completed Strontium Dog, myself and Gav were both up to our eyeballs with other stuff, and mm. we weren't going to be able to go straight on to Dread, which is why we asked Roger to come in and bail us out, basically nice. by taking on the monster that is dread, um, which was a, a, a tremendous <laughs> source of sadness for me, I must confess. But fortunately, um, things went on a bit, and Roger had his, Roger has an actual job, you know. He doesn't just write books for a living and fart about with toy soldiers like I do. He actually has a real job that earns real money. Um, so, best hobby a job and, ever, and so forth. Um, Things things drew out a little bit, so fortunately I, I had time to circle back round and and jump in on dread. Nice mm. after after Roger had done all the hard work, of course, which yeah. is all, always as Satan had planned it. Mm. I mean, well, is it yes. So Roger, <laughs> I, let me redirect that question at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, ba based on uh, based on my experience uh, working on the on the Doctor Who Exterminate game, mm. um, which, which in its own right is a is a, is a skirmish is a skirmish game mm. uh, that's sort of generally card driven, character card driven. Um, I've, in the past, I've written about 150 or more cards for this uh, particular game, and sort of been regularly contributing to Warlord for that. So, um, as Andy said, you know, he was he and Gab weren't particularly available at that particular time when they wanted to focus on Dread. So uh, Paul Sawyer sort of asked me if I'd be interested in uh, in, in doing this, and uh, you know, obviously because of the uh, because of what it was, I thought, yeah, I've got to do this one. Must right. must must do this. So. Um, I mean, the brief was really to say, okay, we're going to we need we're going to be doing a dread game here. Uh, Strontium Dog perhaps was maybe like the pilot for this. Um, it was a sort of proof of concept to, for, for the for the game system for this sort of comic background to work. Um, so 
really what I, my, my brief was to say, well, okay, let us take strontium dog basic mechanics, uh, the, the, the mechanisms, how it works, and adapt that for the Judge Dredd background. So, uh, you know, to make it pertinent to and make it feel that little bit different, because strontium dog is sort of like the spaghetti western type, mm -hmm. uh, type thing, whereas Dredd is a, is, is a massive vista. And so we, we, we discussed this, Paul and I discussed this, and as, as Andy has also said, you know, the, the, the wide range of what's available, you know, what, 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 what you can see in Dread is, mm -hmm. is, is massive. So you can't bite off everything. So we'd said, OK, let's focus on the key to Dread, which is the mega city itself. Mm -hmm. Cursed Earth, Apocalypse Wars, you know, off-world colonies, that sort of stuff. That can come later. Let's just focus on the, uh, on, on the key stuff. Right. So... It was there that we obviously said, right, we've got to look at the judges in all their in all their forms. So let's make sure they're there. Uh, the main protagonists, which are really just the, the you know the people who live in Mega City One, it's the it's the it's the gangs, and the other element that we wanted to pull in as well was the sort of the crazy uh, militia forces, the the, the city yes. death, who sort of you know. <laughs> operate in between, you know, being a being a sort of a pseudo pseudo defense police force and also being a bunch of total crazies who just, mm -hmm. you know, enjoy every weekend, um, you know, getting the big guns out. <laughs> so, 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 so the aim was to say focus on on those three factions and 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 basically adapt that, change the rules where necessary to um, incorporate. You know, specific urban type environment. So in, in in Strontium Dog, because a lot of that was taking place sort of out in the Badlands, you didn't have to focus on buildings. So we would put in more rules, say, for instance, for combat in the streets, in, 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 in buildings, doors, things like that. Um, and, 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 and try and balance that out and therefore produce a, a skirmish game. So you could, you could play the game as a group of city death, as, as, as gangers, or as many, many people would want to do as the justice department and the judges themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's what was the, the, you know, the, re, the reason the extra behind the game. That's, that, that was sort of what the, what the brief was. And uh, probably I didn't expect just how big it was going to be because it is just it can be overwhelming the you know, just the amount of stuff that's involved in dread. So yeah, later on in the process, um, you know, Andy Andy was available and Andy came back in to give some support. And also because of Andy's vast experience in um, in, in game design and stuff he, he would come in and look at stuff that i had done and say well yeah that's all right but how about looking at it from this angle how about changing that round and you sort of sit back oh gosh yeah you're right and that, that's the thing and it was, a, it was a great sort of working relationship in that respect um you know I, I did a lot of the background stuff i mean i love writing the fluff type parts of it and i guess that's where my sort of 2000 ad knowledge and stuff and reading judge dread constantly uh, came out so that, that you know that that was sort of my major contribution into it as well sort of the fluff side of it but andy was very important in sort of keeping keeping me on the straight and narrow and uh, you know uh, uh, adapting his suggestions well that's one of the things that really struck me as i flipped through this book um, it does have a nice, you know, chunky section of rules, a lot of uh, ways that you can expand out, you know, a lot of discussion of equipment, weapons, and different aspects to the game like that. But the the fluff that goes into describing each and every character entry or unit entry in the game is extensive. I mean, that is a huge chunk of the book. Um, and, I mean, it is sort of a trend in a lot of modern games to sort of downplay the fluff as people sort of know the quote-unquote IP before they get into the games. And so games are, you know, trying to shorten down to be short and sweet. But you really have gone back and added the world of dread in the book, which is just fantastic when you're sitting down to actually read the book. Because as, as a dread fan myself, reading through some of those characters, a couple of them I actually had to go, I don't know who that is. Um, and then by reading the the blurb it, or you know the fluff attached to that character entry, you go, oh, of course I know who that is. Um, and it was super helpful without me having to pull out Google and get some weird wiki page. It actually had a beautiful summary of the character that gave the right context to put it on the tabletop. So that, yeah, 
That's great. Thanks, Brad. That's, that's exactly what you know, we were trying to do. Um, it's, uh, there's so much depth to these characters. And yeah, you could just take this as a pickup game. And there's, a, there's an interesting looking character. You know, there's an interesting equipment. Let's put him out. But, you know, knowing what, knowing what Dread is, knowing what a judge is, what their, mm. their background and everything, and, and knowing what motivates the gangers, knowing what motivates these city death, I think, I think it adds to that sort of almost sort of role play aspect to what is essentially a miniatures game, but that mm-hmm. sort of feeling that you can understand the characters and why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. And I just love the fact that I can actually field the Eden Blyton uh, block deaf forces and I can put them on the table straight out of the block work comic book that I was reading as a kid and just go, that's fantastic. Um, as a primary school teacher, just having a, ch- a children's book author as the name of a city defense block is just fantastic i actually knew the name of the block years before i actually knew about the what is it the 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 furious five or the fantastic uh now i'm going famous five famous five thank you my wife's a massive fan she's gonna kill me for getting that wrong anyway um yeah isn't the furious five kung fu panda yes (laughs) shadoosh anyway moving on uh dread now Dread's one of those things that the balance can be a little funny. And um, if we go back to the rules for St- uh, Strontium Dog, of course, when you are putting models on the tabletop, each model, um, like games like Bolt Action, there's a in Bolt Action you have the order dice. In Dread, you have a chit for your side, and when you pull it out, you're able to activate a model. Now, because it's a, it's a comic, and you have the bigger-than-life heroes, um, Dread, for example, or Judge Death, or you know any of the big-name characters, those characters need to be able to do way more than some random punk on the street. And by maintaining that, having the star chit, where characters are able to activate again and put it back in the bag, but there's a possible downside to that for your forces really does add that extra layer and does make it cinematic. Um, Andy, were you, I mean, I knew that you were really excited about how that dynamic worked in Strontium Dog. Are you equally happy with how it fits the Dreadverse? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we developed uh, Strontium Dog, as you kind of touched on at the start of this, the idea was to try and develop a universal system that would work for a lot of different 2000 AD games Mm. and use... Strontium Dog is kind of the test case because we knew it had gun battles. We knew it had, you know, sort of named protagonists who were definitely tougher than the, your, you know, your average sort of like street scum. Mm. And in the back of our heads, very much when we were developing that was the idea that you'd be able to apply this game to something like Judge Dredd as well. And it's got a lot of the same, you know, in, in purely mechanistic terms, it's got a lot of the same dynamics going on of like a few very tough, well-equipped characters going up against an, an unknowable number of uh, opponents you know it could be a small army at times quite literally yeah and being able to actually prevail against that and of course under normal kind of like war game paradigms of like i have three models you have 10 that doesn't work because right. you know your three models get to act once each and unless they're so powerful that they can wipe out three models at a time it's not going to be a very satisfying game and it's no. liable to be a not very satisfying satisfying game in general if you've got that big kind of like diversity in number of models involved so it's the same issues and it's got the same mechanic applying to it so yeah i'm very happy with how it works out because yeah there's kind of a cutoff point where you get star chips of uh, being cool four or more and the idea that kind of a strange a trained street judge would be that level of toughness you know as tough as the toughest bounty hunters in Strontium Dog, and that's right. kind of like your standard street judge, was always there uh, in the back of their heads for Judge Dredd as well. Mm. And, and of course, some of the some of the characters, and you, you look at well, Judge Dredd himself, and say for instance, like Judge Death or like the Assassin. These are really huge characters. They're absolute monsters. They recur over and over again in the comics. You think anything could put them down? You know, you think that. The, They've been blown up, burnt, destroyed in so many ways, but they always come back. So one of the things that we actually did <clears throat> with Judge Dredd was that um, if, you, if you play with those particular characters, they're almost powerful enough to, to operate on their own, 
Um, and some people might say, oh, that's unfair. You made them so powerful. But I think if you're going to stay true to what 2000 AD is all about, you do have to make them those sort of monster yeah. characters. I mean, Dread the, in the comics, uh, just as Andy alluded to earlier, how many times does Dread save uh, Mega City 1 again and again and again, single-handedly, usually as other people are dying around him, but he survives every single time. I, I think you, it wouldn't be necessarily reflective of the game if you're able to pot shot Dread with five or six, you know, gangers in the middle of the street with you know shotguns uh, just... honestly Brad, let's not say that couldn't happen true you know, that's true. one of the joys of the game is that yeah they're, they're, they're super tough characters but you know a bad lazooka shot at any day can really ruin their time that's true um i mean honestly judge dreddy yeah he is fairly bulletproof but i, I wouldn't i wouldn't call him immune no, well, at least we, and, we've tried not to make him that way. Yeah, and 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 he and he will and, and and he can and will go down. But if you take it in comic terms, then the next frame you see him is encased in bandages somewhere in one of the med labs, and uh, you know he will come back. But for the purposes of that particular encounter, yes, he was laid out. But you know he will return. Nice. Well, uh, one of the other big parts of the uh, 2000 AD verse, uh, as I guess I'm going to call it from now on, that went from Strong Team Dog now into Dread was the aspect of having sort of bespoke dice, um, one that has the Dread badge on it, for example, one that has the 2000 AD logo, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, are you excited to still be using those dice? I mean, the mechanics seem to work really well when I was when I got my games of uh, Strong Team Dog in, and I'm glad to see they're back for Dread. Well, I mean, from the perspectives of uh, of the of the pickup, and the, you know, we were adapting and taking what was originally written for Strong Team Dog, which is a proven concept that works. Then, yeah, it was a no brainer, really. Um, it, it worked with Strong Team Dog that dice set up and it also works with, with, with your dread. So you don't, you don't change anything that's, that, that, that's not broken. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The, the dice is an interesting one. I, I was I actually had a, a chat with another chap last week. Uh, we were talking more about broad mechanics in games mm -hmm. and strontium dogs specifically. And I made the point to him. He was asking me at the time, you know, what, you know, what mechanic would you uh, would you praise the most out of it all? And for me, it's it's ironically, it's not the chip system, but it's the dice. Uh, I see the dice as quite a big step forward in their own way. I mean, not that people haven't used plenty of games with different dice symbols on them, but it's my first, and I love them because basically what it does is it takes a lot of numbers. Well, it takes the numbers away from the dice rolling aspect of the game. You're only looking for a number of successes on the dice, right. with the success being a particular symbol in this circumstance. So it might be an armor symbol, it might be the special Judge Dredd shield symbol, it might be a hit symbol. And the sort of the manipulability that gives you in term, game design terms is really, really useful. It makes the game much easier to teach to people because you're not saying, well, roll that fistful of dice and now you're looking for these numbers on those dice and trying to go through multiple processing steps. Right. It becomes a lot easier with the, the special dice. So uh, I think they're a real step forward, personally. Yeah, and there are a number of game systems that are using bespoke dice these days, and it's nice to see with this system, as you say, you're not just rolling to get a three or four or better or anything like that. You and when you are trying to add, um, you know, make something harder, you can take away dice. If you try to make something easier, you can add dice because, as you say, you're looking for a certain number of symbols, and by rolling the extra dice, it does give you the more opportunities and increases your chances, and it's just a really innovative fun way of um the, of setting up the dice and using the dice in the game you're not just rolling to hit rolling to wound there is the you're, you're looking for the the successes and um it just it it feels different and it feels more cinematic and um it i think it really does match the 2000 ad universe so yeah i i really enjoyed that dynamic and i'm really happy to see it back so yeah and I should underline one of the reasons that I adopted using those dice in the first place is because Roger was already using them on effectively the same dice on Doctor Who Exterminate. Oh, nice. And he showed them to me and went, oh, look at these. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, I think we'll have those. Thank you very much. <laughs> and now it's gone full circle. Uh, Roger, that's got to make you feel pretty good. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't take I can't take credit for the for the dice themselves. There was a, a, another designer, Ricard, who, uh, who who pulled that together. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it worked well in the Exterminate game. And um, as I say, Andy knows a good thing when he sees it, and he, uh, he he picked up on that. And you know, and I think Strontium Dog and the Judge Dread background, uh, sorry, games actually uh, benefit from that. So that's great. It's great. Nice. Now, I, I can't help but notice, um, having played Strontium Dog, that as I read through the Dread book, um, one of the, uh, I guess one of the mechanics that made Strontium Dog what it was, was chicanery. And there is no chicanery in Dread. So um, what have you, how have you, how has that changed the game for you guys? And have you added anything else in its place? Or do you think that the game plays um, perfectly well without it? One of the challenges of doing Mega City One, as we kind of touched on um, in our talking about it in a, in a more generalized background sense, is there's always a lot going on in Mega City One. Many stories, some completely uh, previously unknown elements may come into things. The citizens themselves are highly unpredictable mm-hmm. and given over to strange fads all the time and things like that. So rather than the chicanery, the, the very kind of spaghetti western, <laughs> you think I, I don't have a concealed gun here, but I do kind of stuff, we wanted to go for something that kind of like described the events in Mega City 1 in a broader scale mm-hmm. uh, so we kind of took chicanery cards, took them away and substituted instead Big Meg cards yes. which are, you know, just another day in the Big Meg and it might be, I don't know the hottie stand stall exploding because you fired a guns too close to it and the fuel canister went off, mm-hmm. or it might be boingers coming down from the rooftops and hitting somebody randomly. Uh, oh, it's not even worth getting into what boing is and all the rest of it. Read the book. So yeah. th- there's all sorts of random events that can happen off the big mag cards, as well as some that are kind of chicanery based as well. Yeah. Um, so you, you get similar things. You get things like firing line and little tactics that criminals might try and use and so on. But there's also some truly random events in there. And then we've got the armory cards, which covers all the, again, strange kinds of equipment and different weapons and improvised weapons you might find in Mega City 1, uh, which is what runs pretty much like the Strontium Dog techniques there. I did mm. love that one of the big Meg cards is uh, Johnny Alpha and Wolf Sternhammer. So all of a sudden, the characters from the last game are making a uh, a nod in this one. So yeah, that was a cool little reference. Mm. One of the um, and and one of the important things about the cards as well was that uh, you know as dark as Judge Dread may be, it is absolutely full of sort of hilarious sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, um, things that go on, uh, you know, uh, and the big med cards was a way of also sort of enriching that that fluff that fluff background. And um, both Andy and I, you know, years ago played a a Judge Dread game um, which had a similar sort of set of cards in, um, which was an event card type thing, and they had that sort of uh, craziness element to it. So in, in some respects, it's a little bit of an homage to uh, some of those. Uh, some of those original cards, so, you know, Edwin Parsi and things like that. So, oh, absolutely. That was, that was, absolutely. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> absolutely. And I love how you've snuck in the... One of the things that was always great about some of the original bolt action books is the little, uh, the little boxes that are off to the side where they actually... Um, you know, they give you a little background for particular battles or units. Um, but in this case, you, there are the little boxes that are back. But this time, it's all Judge Dread background. And so you have, you know, chum dumping, uh, umpty eaters, uh, you know, just all sorts of just little fluffy bits. Well, one of the nice things about Judge Dread is that there, there, there are science fiction crimes as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not just all kidnap and murder and things like that. So, yeah, things like umpty bagging and chum dumping being specific crimes that are peculiar to uh, Mega City 1 is, uh, to a certain extent, th- th- this is kind of the, the foundation of what Dread is built on. It's got absurdity built into it, mm-hmm. of the absurdity of the new, of the shocks of things that you haven't seen before, you wouldn't expect, which are just like day-to-day you know, criminal activities. Uh, along with, it also speaks to the, the wider background of Dread, because... Um, Certain illegal substances, for example, like caffeine mm-hmm. and sugar and nicotine, are illegal in Mega City One, and you know those are arrestable offences as well. 
Well, I, I love how in adapting Strontium Dog to uh, to Mega City One, you've actually gone and I mean, you can't imagine an overpopulated populace like Mega City One. Um, having an empty tabletop. And so you've actually included some pretty clever rules for using citizens um, in the scenarios that are in the book so that the people are actually part of the background. And I think that's just a really nice touch and a little bit of flair in there that really makes the game feel like it's in the city. Um, Roger, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, it's not. Uh, if you look at any sort of gun battle that takes place in the in in, in the comics, it's it's not a uh, it's not a high noon type thing with two guys in a right. deserted street. You know, the, the, there is everything going on around. So as, as the bullets are flying, there's the, you know the civilians are still there. The, the the streets are full of people. Some of them are trying to get out of the way, but some of them are actually just wanting to have a look at what's going on. So therefore, they become inadvertent sort of uh, either uh, either meat shields for for the for the crims uh, occasionally, or um, you know. Uh, distractions for the judges who of course despite the fact of their judge you know uh judge jury and executioner thing uh you know if, if, if a civilian should go down due to a judge not being careful about where he's shooting or whatever you know he's in real trouble so you you had to sort of uh to get that mega city feel you know we had to have civilians in there in in some way so using them in that sort of random movement thing, which I know is, you know, you, you often see it in zombie-type games and things mm -hmm. like that, where you have you, you have that sort of random movement type thing. But we thought this would sort of, you know, um, sort of marry itself well to this system. Just, again, to get that feeling of background for, um, uh, for, for Judge Red, but also to give you some sort of quite interesting tactical issues and problems to work out when you're actually fighting. It's not quite as straightforward. You don't always have that line of sight because some idiot civilian is just going to decide to walk in in between you and that target. So mm -hmm. you have to be careful. So that, that's what we did. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, going, I mean, I, sort of circling back to a question I kind of asked earlier. Um, I mean, clearly you had to include some of the iconic uh, Dread characters like Fatties, uh, Judge Death. Um, you have some of, I mean, some of the big judges that we have, um, so Anderson, for example, Gerhardt, uh, and you have one of the robot judges, but you also have Mean Angel, and you have Ula Bint and Horner Blint, and you know, tons of characters in here. I mean, the the sky must have been the limit as far as characters to include here. Um, how did you sort of narrow that field? Was there sort of a master list, and you just sort of had to cut it down, or? Are these? Are there some particular favorites of yours that you snuck in? Um, how did that sort of come to be? I think. I mean. I mean. Initially, um, there was a lot of discussion with with, with Paul, and uh, as we decided that we were going to keep this pretty much to the mega city, and um, there were there were certain there were certain groups who um, who didn't get included. So, for instance, you know, the entire Angel Gang. Is, is not there, but right. then again, they were sort of, you know, in the in the in the Judge Child off-world type stories and the Cursed Earth type stories. But 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 uh, Mean has turned up in just so many other different stories. So they were out. Right. Mean's going to be in there. Um, we wanted to. We we could have picked on some more named judges as such, but we decided right. to leave that for the moment. And we sort of, you know, but we decided to provide you with all different levels of of of, of, of judges so that you can, you know, if you want to play Hershey or you want to have mm -hmm. um, uh, Judge Giant or whatever, you yep. can adapt one of the one of the current profiles profiles for that. Um, so. Uh, and, and another thing was, was of course, that Warlord wanted to produce some interesting miniatures, some really mm -hmm. nice looking things. And so sometimes we were looking at things that perhaps weren't as, you, you know, there's, there's a history, as, as, as Andrea said, uh, Mongoose Games, War, um, Games Workshop or whatever, mm -hmm. producing things. And we wanted to also produce, put some things out there that weren't necessarily, uh, had been there before. So, you know, uh, Ula Blint, I mean, she's been there, but 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 not to this level, right. Homer Blint, um, uh, and, and, and things that would be interesting, and of course, fatties, you know, 
uh, I, I, they're, they're a very interesting sort of, you know, tragic character. But, you know, I've never felt that anybody from a modeling perspective as a minstrel has ever got them quite right. But right. I was just, you know, breathtaking away when I saw these these fatty characters that had been designed. They, they, they were they were sort of wonderful. So so in some respects, we, as much as where we'd want to fit them in the game, it was about the look as well. So we, 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 we did quite a lot of selection on the basis of, of the look of the character. Yeah, and they so, all look good. Um, mm. Now, I, I have to ask, I know some people will ask, we've seen Judge Death. We've seen lots of pictures of Judge Death. Are we going to see the other three judges at some point, or are... Is that sort of a wish list down the line, or is that something that's hard and fast coming at us uh, in a short period of time? Because I know that when the game comes out, that's going to be a question that people are asking. Andy? I think... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine it is a matter of time there before Warlord gives in yeah. to pressure and produces the, all four of the Dark Judges together in one set. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not entirely surprised that they've chosen not to for the release of Judge Dread, mm-hmm. because that that's that's a whole lot of evil right there. Yeah, um, and so Judge, Judge Death's quite a handful just on his own. But yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not fool ourselves. There'll be a Dark, dark Judge set eventually. I'm has sure. Has to be. Mm. Has to be. I do love um, that the game really does uh, focus in on allowing you to take you know gangs actual judges it's not i think it would have been really easy for you guys to go down the path of just having sort of named characters and a few you know plebs to push around but you can legitimately make block gangs um you can legitimately take city def um or fatties and actually play them on the tabletop and have a good time as doing that you can play sky raiders i mean there's just there's it's a really nice way of sort of giving the universe uh, people, like having the, the crowd. Um, it's not just the big characters. You can actually play as just a random citizen of Mega City 1. Um, Roger, that, should, that shouldn't have been uh, or couldn't have been easy to, to find that balance at times. No, and um, it was very hard, and I would say that was one of the biggest challenges. And again, that is that is where Andy's contribution was was invaluable because someone having such a you know a wide experience of of game design, um, it was it was it was a natural for him, and he could he so, you know there were there were certain areas. I'm I'm quite sure when I was when I was working on this that that I was tearing my hair out on the balance and am I going to get this right because it's it's that one thing I would say one of the things about working on this is it's also very very scary because this is such a big property and you know I've I've loved you know Judge Dredd for the past 30 or more years and you know I was thinking oh I don't want supposing I get this wrong and uh, <laughs> yeah so so it was um so that balance aspect to it um you know i i i you know i credit andy with with with, with the majority of that it's his it's his um you know his it's his rationale his thinking which is which was very much appreciated that that, that got that just right andy how did you tackle that particular part uh balance yes. specifically well bouncing straight off Strontium Dog, I had a, a a pretty good picture of what meant what in terms of stats, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. Yes, sir. And um, so I was able to apply a lot of that kind of like that learning from doing stuff in Strontium Dog straight across because, as I touched on earlier on, th- there, there is a great commonality in how comic book characters act in comics and mm-hmm. uh, how effective they are and what their capabilities are. So it's just really applying that across to the, the groundwork that Roger had already done. And he, he's being harsh on himself. He'd done, as I say, a lot of the legwork, leg and it was just a few tweaks here and there and a bit of grooming through that was needed more than anything else. And I, I often I often tell people that doing a game like this it's a bit like what i'm what i'm told it's like to have children where you're really careful with your first baby in case mm-hmm. you drop it on the head and all the rest of it and you're pretty much drop kicking the second one around because you know that it's reasonably tough mm-hmm. and treating it like <clears throat> fragile glass is not going to do it any good right and it's a lot like that with games design if i'm brutal it's sometimes just getting in there and snipping some wires and moving some things around will actually 
solve problems that seem just insurmountable if you don't take the lid off mm-hmm. and, and go and rummage around inside. So, yeah, just going to throw my weight around basically on uh, Roger's mm-hmm. carefully crafted manuscript. And go, no, you don't do this. Hack chop. <laughs> oh, we can move that over there. Mm-hmm. Hack chop and so on. Yeah. Honestly, the, the biggest work I did on Dread was um, sorting out the scenarios and the campaign. It's it's almost like you've read my notes because that is literally the next thing I'm asking about. Now, I, I love that there is an entire section of this game on crimes and sentencing that's related to the scenarios and the campaign. And if you have someone who's actually um, incarcerated um, or arrested, that you can actually say what the, dr- what the judge did to the person that they caught, um, depending on what crime they have. That is brilliant. Um, but not only that, but the scenarios really do uh, – I'm just going to read through a couple. They really do f- capture the feel of dread. We have a foot chase through the city. Uh, of course, we have an ambush where the you know someone is ambushing someone else, um, where someone's at the middle of the board and they're being surrounded. Um, there's the rumble, which is sort of the, the – the, sort of the beginnings of uh, block war, so to speak. You have judges or uh, whoever else making raids – um, there's the classic heist, but then my personal favorite, Moped Madness, where you have um, a battle literally in gridlock traffic, which is fantastic. Um, it, 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 I mean, as I was going through, missions are always one of the things I look at first, and when I flipped through these, it just went, yes, yes, yes. So many of the 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 stories from Judge Dredd can be played out through just the missions that are in this book. Um, and it feels like you are playing in Mega City 1. Um, how was that process for you? Did you just sort of spitball looking at the comic books and think about how you could portray it? Or how, how did that come about? Um, well, when I came to it, Roger made a manful attempt to adapt the uh, scenario system over from Strontium Dog. Mm. And what I came up, came away with a feeling that that was actually not quite right. Strontium Dogs universe is, is very much, as we keep saying, a Western style, good, mm-hmm. the bad and the ugly, you know, double crosses and multi-sided fights and a lot of uncertainty about what the narrative may be. You may turn up showing, expecting a gunfight and it turn out to be an ambush, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Dread's not like that. No. Dread is, is, is very upfront about what's happening, what the action is where it takes place as well within the mega city, as you touched on. Um, these are all big features of it. So I kind of threw away, this is what I'm saying, hack, rip, chop. I threw away the scenario system that had been adapted over from Strontium Dog and just went for a, a very bold sort of like, all right, we're just going to have preset scenarios. Yes, they'll be kind of orientated towards the idea that judges will be on one side and you know a block gang or what have you be on the other side, but not necessarily. You know, it could be a city defense unit raiding another city defense unit or something like that, or a mm-hmm. block gang ambushing another block gang and so on. So I wanted to keep them open-ended on that front. So thinking about that with my many, many years worth of reading Church Dread stories, it was like, well, what are the scenarios that often occur in Dread? Yeah. And that came up with that six, I think it ended up as six basic scenarios, which one way or another is, is very often how encounters play out. Uh, injured dread if you strip everything away and it was also like a foot chase is a really good sort of starting scenario mm-hmm. because it's good for teaching the game and it's it's got a lot of dynamics to it and it says something about the city straight away about the fact that you are on foot and there's no vehicles around and so on and so on so that was a good starting point and i just got to work from there and mopad madness at the end there was just kind of like there's been a few stories where they're, they're actually out on the, the sort of the, the megways mm-hmm. driving around the city where everything's, you know, as you say, it's gridlock, but everything's moving about 200 kilometers an hour <laughs> uh, with these big rigs all moving in, in relation to each other and stuff like that. And they'll occasionally have a fight there where, you know, some foolhardy criminals go out onto the megway to try and escape the judges and get gunned down or what have you. Uh, but the environment always makes it super tense because mm-hmm. you know you screw up and you're going underneath some 200 ton big rig That's right. so mm. i was quite keen even though it was a bit of an unusual it was a bit of an off, off the wall scenario i was quite keen to have something like that in there because it is uh, a big feature of the 
of Mega City One that not only you've got these pedestrianized areas and these blocks, which are pretty much all internal, you know, they're like giant atriums and stuff like that. But you've also got these external areas where there, there are just massive roadways that never stop. Ah, oh, we missed a trip. We never talked about Devil's Island, for example. Well, Devil's exactly. Island mm. being a prison that the judges have, which basically mm -hmm. consists of a traffic island in the midst of the Megways. And they just drop prisoners on there because they can't get off because the <laughs> traffic around them never right. stops moving. So they'll just get instantly splattered if they try and cross the road. Awesome. I do love how that that mission has a rule that says the floor is lava. Again, the primary school teacher in me loves that. Um, <laughs> kids lo I mean, I hear that all the time. And then to see that in the rule book, it was like, nice touch. Very nice touch. Um, yeah. So how do the missions then tie to the campaign? Because there is a campaign system in this as well. And characters can advance over time. Uh, again, we, we knew from Strontium Dog that we would definitely want to have a campaign system. Strontium Dog and Judge Dredd, they're, they're both kind of like role play sort of tabletop games rather than hardcore competitive tournament games. Right. So in the fullness of time, you know, your mind is going to start turning towards running a campaign game because it really suits it very naturally for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, the system that we got in Strontium Dog wasn't 100% right uh, for Judge Dredd in particular because one of the big features about Judge Dredd is at some point, you know, almost the punchline on many Judge Dredd comic strips is, you know, 20 years in the cubes creep for whatever you've been doing. Mm -hmm. And, oh, you thought you got away with doing nothing here and you're the innocent party. Well, three years for littering or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have that kind of like the aspect of if you play in the judges that they, they, you know, give sentencing at the end of a scenario. Yeah, that, that's kind of like funny for a one-off scenario, but really you want that sort of thing to work in terms of a um, a campaign. Yeah. And furthermore, your criminals in, in campaigns, they'll often get put away for, you know, five years or ten years. And because mm -hmm. it's a recurring comic and Judge Dredd is in every strip, mm -hmm. you'll quite often get a writer who'll come back to a character you'd used before or another character, a writer will come across him and go, like, oh, he was fun, and kind of bring them back. Mm -hmm. And this is why Mean Machine Angel has sort of like he's recurred several times uh, in different judge stories because he's just an interesting character. But you also get like whole gangs that will get put away and then come back out again and things like that. So with that idea, I thought, well, we can develop a, a campaign game where, you know, the judges will run around and sentence people and send them down and they'll go to the cubes and they'll come back again. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of revolving door justice sort of system, but it's, it's almost generational. That's right. And furthermore that the more you put them away the more they come back they, they tend to come back as more hardened criminals next time you meet them as well that's right nothing like so, uh, uh, time in the iso cubes to tighten it to toughen you up yeah to oh. so harden them up or kill them off um so i thought well we can we can build a campaign around that um and get in all that sentencing which to be honest i just, i want i wanted an excuse to put in the crimes and the different sentences because that's uh, always been hilarious you you dug that up didn't you roger you found yeah, that yeah 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 that's a fun it, piece of research yeah yeah where we could actually go like oh well here's the statutory sort of like sentencing for umpty bagging or what mm -hmm. have you yeah public boying that was the one 20 years um <laughs> Because they're always enormous and so on. So and then build that in as kind of part of the role-playing aspect of playing the judges. It's like, well, you need to keep track of the crimes people are committing so that you can yell at them across the tabletop. That's another six months, perp. That's right. And so on and so on. Um, and that, that's a really characterful part of it. So on one side, you've got the kind of criminal fraternities who get sent to the cubes and so forth, come back, harden up and toughen up over time. The Justice Department on the other side has got to worry all the time about whether the, uh, the SJS were the people who judge the judges for mm -hmm. things like, oh, you injured civilians, you injured some citizens in that last encounter. Why did that happen? Were you reckless? Mm -hmm. And all that sort of stuff. So there's a possibility that your judges might get sent off the Titan because they're found to be unfit to be judges. That's so right. Put under investigations and so on. Or they may accumulate more you know, experience and knowledge over time and become you know, senior street judges and things like that and then get reassigned off to a different sector that isn't your sector because, you know, Everything's going fine here, clearly. Mm -hmm. And then you have to replace them with rookies and so on and start the whole process again. So there's a nice kind of generational field that's going on with the campaign that does stretch over what I imagine to be anywhere up to like 10, 20 years worth of time in yeah. Mega City 1. Mm. 
And that, and that, if I may interject, that 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 reflects the comics because um, it's it, it's real time. I mean, we're now forty years or more down the line, and Judge Dredd is still out there on the streets. He may be seventy years of age or whatever, but he's still just as effective and probably just coming into his prime. So again, what Andy had put in there pretty much, I think, you know, fitted beautifully with this whole concept that that that. Judge Shred's story is a, is a developing story. It's a long-term story. And, you know, it, it's not just describing a snapshot, something just happens over a couple of years. It, it can be many, many years. And it's sad for some of these criminals who will just get, you know, as, as, a, as a juve, get put away, get 20 years. They come straight out with all their experience that they may have picked up and, and, and supposedly better. Yet, yeah, who's waiting to put them away again? Judge Dredd. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just one of those things. One last point I should make, and it's props to Paul Sawyer for this, is when it came to um, actually doing the proofs on the Big Mag cards and the Armoury cards and stuff like that, uh, he had gone off and found the, just the most perfect little comic book panels mm -hmm. for each of those cards. So whether it's like High X or Incendiary or what have you, Stumgas, it's got a perfect little illustration for him. And that's been such a great pleasure on both on Strontium Dog and this game of basically doing a game that's fully illustrated, magnificently illustrated in so many different ways when you sit right. down to do it, when you look for the right piece of art, you can find the perfect piece of art for it. And it's, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to flip through those cards and to see art from so many different generations of dread art. I mean, it's not as though they were all picked from recent issues. They are from sort of the the width and breadth of the Judge Dread uh, comic run, and there's I mean there's a lot of color ones in there, but there's also a lot of black and white, and it's just I mean it's as I'm flipping through this, I have a lot of Dread books, but I have nowhere near as many as someone who grew up with it, and I recognize many pages from my own collection, but not nearly as many as I'm sure you guys would have, and it's just really great that. It, I mean, it really does. The, the art in this book is from such a wide span of the, the comic series. It really does. Um, it, it really is written for Dread fans, I think is the mm. way to say that. <clears throat> yeah, Paul, Paul and I spent, <laughs> spent many hours uh, talking to each other, you know, just chatting, uh, electronic messages and stuff like that, sending images back and forth to each other saying, did you see this one? This is just perfect. Mm. This is just right. And... That was that was some of the funnest part of this whole thing was just being able to go back through all the all the old pictures and just look and just just find out which was the most relevant one or, or yeah it was, that was great definitely well guys I have to say a giant thank you for coming back on the Warlord Cast I've been looking forward to the Dread Game forever and I am so excited that it's finally here and it's going to be hitting the streets in the next couple of weeks um, and yeah. I, as as a fan, thank you very much to both of you for both coming on and for writing it. Uh, Andy, as always, a pleasure. Thanks, Brad. And Roger, thank you for coming back. Thanks for inviting, Brad. It's been great. Thank you. And thank you for listening, guys. Um, you at home or commuting or painting, whatever it is that you're doing right now, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Warlord Games podcast. Um, as we've said on this podcast many times, podcasts don't cost money. It's not like you needed to spend money to listen to this today. But for many of us, time is money. And the fact that you actually took the time to stop and listen to us uh, talk about something that we love so much um, just means the world to us. So thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again on the Warlord Games official podcast. Good night, everyone.